And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. I'm Mike Harrison, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. It's my privilege to be joining you today. Appreciation. We've all heard the stories, right? You hear the story, someone tells you how their great-grandfather bought a farm, a ranch, a house, a small apartment community, what have you, in the 20s for $5,000, and today it's worth millions and if you've caught my cash flow snowball shows in the past, you've heard me say appreciation is the silent millionaire maker. But that being said, appreciation really is the last reason why you should invest in rental property. And it darn sure better not be the only reason. And I'll get to that as we unpeel this show. So we make money five ways in real estate. And I'm going to list these in order of importance for me. Okay. I'll list these for me. This is single family homes. We make money five ways and these may be in a different order for other people. But number one for me is cash flow. Obviously that after you pay the PITI principal interest taxes and insurance, it's the remainder left over cash flow. That is the number one reason why I buy a single family property, make that extra 250, 300, 400, 500, 600 dollars a month. Number two, for me, equity capture. Yes, I like to buy a distressed property, improve that property, and in doing so, increase the value of the property above and beyond what I'm into that property for. So yeah, I like the equity capture. Three for me, and this is three and four may be different for some people out there, and I'll explain, but three for me is absolutely the tax benefits. I do well with the tax benefits of real estate, and it's really more of a reflection on where my real estate portfolio is maybe compared to other folks out there but i've got a lot of capital gains that occur during a year and i'm able to use essentially the k1 depreciation which really it's paper depreciation you're just depreciating a business over time and you can depreciate those losses will offset the gains. so i really like the tax benefits helps me personally quite a bit number four is mortgage pay down. Now, like I said, uh, that may be the third reason for a lot of folks, but I don't hold my properties too long, three to five years, typically on my single family properties, maybe a little longer on a couple if I can get a good refinance out of it. And it's, uh, it's a good bones property, but even the refinance resets that mortgage pay down, right? You just took on more debt. So uh, it's still nice. It adds up, right? You have 10 houses, and each of those 10 houses is paying you anywhere from two to $300 a month coming off. Uh, essentially, that's going to the bottom line, right? It's just growing your wealth that much. Now, folks that, let's say you've held a property a long time, 10, 15 years, and you have several of those properties, right? You're on the original note. So you're really hitting that mortgage pay down hard. That may be a significant bounce to your wealth. So that's why it might be the third for you, especially if you're not selling properties, you don't have those capital gains, first world problem to overcome, right? You can either give money to the government or you can depreciate uh, against them. So mortgage pay down, it it's really depends on the age of the property of what that means. Now, I will tell you, 
be careful. I've met people that have owned rental properties for quite some time. And what happens is you lose the depreciation, right? The longer you hold the property, the more the rent increases over time. So the rent continues to go up. With rents going up, your cash flow is going up, right? Um, but your depreciation over 27 and a half years is flat. It's based on the original, which what essentially the value of the property was originally, right? It doesn't increase. You don't get to take more depreciation. You'd have to hold that depreciation flat for 27 and a half years. So if your cash flow gets to be significantly more than you're able to depreciate on an annual basis, and I know that sounds complicated, send me an email if you have any questions, but there's a portion of that that could become taxable, right? We always say that our cash flow for the most part is tax free, but if you get into one of those situations, you may have taxable cash flow. And that's something you need to look at. And again, everything I'm saying here, we will teach you. We teach you that here at Lifestyles Unlimited. Now, some of my apartment investments have no mortgage pay down whatsoever. So I'm not making money. You can make it six ways in an apartment community. Well, in that particular opportunity, that particular deal for the short term, I'm not making it six ways. I'm making it five ways. And you may say, well, Mike, why? Why would you do that? Well, you have an interest-only loan at the onset. You're taking over this property. You're improving it. It's going to reset into a fixed interest loan during that short period. You obviously don't have any mortgage pay down whatsoever. But I'll tell you, the, the majority of my investments do have mortgage pay down. And when we get into one of these markets that we're in now, uh, essentially the holds become longer, right? We may have gone into an investment and say, it's a three-year plan, right? We're going to get in and get out in three years. Uh, then Bidenomics comes along. We've got uh, increased inflation. We've got increased interest rates. And suddenly that three-year play becomes a five or an eight-year play. Uh, mortgage pay down is becoming more important during those longer holds. Now, appreciation. That's what I said earlier. That is the increase in the value of a property over time. But that is the last reason to buy a property. I want you to understand that. I don't want natural appreciation to be confused with what we call forced appreciation. Forced appreciation is what you can do within a business. And that's an apartment only, essentially, for, for our investments. Now, I'm going to do a quick 180 here, though. Before I totally bash it, I want you to understand just how great appreciation really is, right? Doing a 180. What? What are you doing? Yes. So there, there are some incredible attributes to appreciation. For me, it's just last on the list, okay? But that's, that's just reason number 457, what makes real estate investing so great that the worst reason to buy a real estate property is still a great reason to own a real estate property. When you're comparing this to other quote-unquote wealth-creating strategies, right? You know, if you're comparing real estate investment to stock market or crypto or gold, our worst reason is still better than any reason to buy those assets or to invest, quote unquote, in those assets. But I want you to understand something. Appreciation is a wonderful benefit of real estate ownership. However, it should never be the sole reason to purchase real estate. Never. It's a wonderful benefit, but it should never be the sole reason to purchase real estate. But I see people that are uneducated or uninformed, and, and all they know is, 
uh, you know, maybe their personal truth, what they learned from their parents or grandparents or or whoever. Again, all the stories about people who bought a property and a uh, hundred years later, it's worth millions compared to what they paid for it. Sure, but people do this. They buy real estate all the time, and they're banking on future appreciation, whether it's a house in the nice neighborhood or a piece of property. They'll always tell you, one day this property will be worth such and such. Well, in the meantime, is it paying you anything? What's it doing for you? Or are you paying it? But that's what I see. I see people that they decide, you know what, I'm going to go get a rental property. I got a rental property and I didn't know what I was doing. I bought it in a self-directed IRA Essentially, I was doing that to I was counting on more of uh, paying down the mortgage and then taking the money from the rents and, and buying another property. I hadn't even really thought about appreciation at that time. Nice property, nice neighborhood. Uh, people that get into this appreciation curve or cycle, values go up and up and up until the day they don't. Right. Or until the day you must sell. What about those people that are in a sales position right now? What's happening? What do you think seven plus percent interest rates are doing to folks, the rare ones that are selling houses? There's not a lot that are for sale out there. Yeah, it's driving costs down. Now, I want you to understand values are different than sale prices, okay? If you must sell and the buyer must take on a seven percent plus interest rate, how do you think that is affecting the sales negotiation? Well, we're seeing it all the time. Houses are on the market longer. I get a report essentially by zip code, by home values, by days on market, and it compares it month to month. It compares it uh, year over year. And I could see that houses are on the market longer. Well, let me quantify that. It, in, in our area, if you're less than $250,000, bam, that house is selling right away, single digits on the market. But when you start getting into the homes that are four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars $900,000, those are sitting on the market much, much longer for a lot of reasons. Like I said, I'm seeing it locally. There's a house around the corner from us. She has it listed for $1.2 million. One to two years ago, this would have sold in a few weeks. A few weeks, if that. It would have sold in a few days. As of now, that property's been on the market four months. Property's in great condition, great condition. And then you start looking at the price per square foot because, yes, when we have single-family properties, it's valued on essentially what will the neighborhood bear, right? Price per square foot. Uh, she is asking way less per square foot than this property was selling, than properties like this were selling just a few months ago, obviously than a year ago, than 18 months ago. But as, as homes start selling for less, then appreciation rates are going to stay flat or even decline. That decline may be temporary. I believe it is. But how about those investors that bought the house in the decent neighborhood thinking, oh, well, they've done nothing but go up and up and up and up, and it's going to be worth more tomorrow. Well, it's going to be worth tomorrow until the day it's not. There are times of negative appreciation. There are for several years in a row. And if you have two or more years of negative appreciation, they're compounding one another, right? If you have two years in a row of 5% negative appreciation, 
Year one, you're down 5%. Year two, you take the new value and you decline that by 5%. That's compounding. Now, at the same time, if you have many years of positive appreciation, that compounds greatly as well. And I'm going to explain more of that later in the show. But understand this. Appreciation can be great, but it's not always what you think it is. I'm going to say this and take this to heart. Appreciation is a wonderful, wonderful benefit of real estate ownership, but it should never be the sole reason to purchase real estate. It should be your fifth benefit of real estate ownership. Now, quick discussion on what the Fed is doing to curb inflation, because these are all tied up. There's a correlation based on the rising of interest rates, inflation, and appreciation. And when we hear the simple statement, the Fed is raising interest rates to curb inflation, that sounds so generic, so basic, so non-threatening. And we glaze over that statement, yet I'm here to tell you today that when people hear that statement, they should have great reason for concern, great reason for concern. Most people really don't understand what that really means. I'm going to have to explain that on the other side. We're going to run out of time here, but that statement should drive great concern in employed people. It should drive great concern into people that are maybe check to check working financially great concern in people that maybe don't have a lot of faith in their business or where they're working right now we'll come back on the other side and talk more about it my name is mike harrison got questions call lifestyles unlimited at 855-497-4335 the real estate investor radio show continues next everyone is asking is it still a good time to invest in real estate? We see no indication that for the foreseeable future, and even the unforeseeable future, no indication whatsoever that real estate is suddenly not going to be the best vehicle for creating wealth and passive income for your family. And so that would say that now is the time to get in. And we very rarely talk about this because we talk about cash flow. But now we're talking a little bit about capital gains and what the future brings in that property. Because it's real, at the end of the day, you have all your cash flow, but you've got this nice capital gain when you sell. And the inflation that we see and the reasons for it are going to continue. And we're going to see great capital gains at the end of the line when we sell these properties. Get in on the next free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm Mike Harrison. If there's a topic you'd like me to discuss on the show, send me an email in the subject line, put show topic. My email address is askmike at luinc.com. Ask Mike at luinc.com. If you've got a topic or a question, send it to me. If I can get it on the show, I will. Either way, I will respond to you personally. We're talking about what the Fed is doing when they're raising interest rates, right? That sounds like such a, um, oh, it sounds like such an innocent statement. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing innocent in that statement at all. There's nothing innocent in what they're doing. I want you to understand exactly 
what that means when you hear that statement. And to put it bluntly, what if I just came out and said, tomorrow the U.S. government uh, is requiring that all privately owned companies fire 2% of their employees by the next day at noon, and all factories and service companies must reduce output by 2%. Not that the U.S. government has the power to do that, but for this example, let's imagine that. Um, And by the way, the U.S. government itself never reduces the size of its workforce. This always falls upon the private sector. Just remember that. But what the Fed essentially wants is higher unemployment. That's what raising interest rates is all about, cooling the economy. How do you cool the economy? Well, you put more people out of work. Understand that. What the Fed is saying is we want less people to be able to afford a mortgage. We want less people to be able to borrow, right? Or, or contrarily, we want more people to be unable to borrow. We want more people to be unemployed. Because if you're unemployed, you're going to spend less, much less. Less money being spent equals less consumption. And ultimately, that will lead to less production of goods and services, right? They're not being bought. They're getting reduced. And voila, prices come down. That's supply and demand 101. Prices coming down is exactly the opposite of inflation. The Fed is trying to curb inflation. Prices and costs going up is inflation. So interest rate increases, what are they really? They're a war on consumption. It is a slow burn, a slow destruction of the economy, a controlled burn, you may want to say. I mean... If the Fed wanted to, they could kill it overnight, raise interest rates 10%. That would literally be a nuclear bomb to the U.S. economy. They're not going to do that. They're not in the business to do that. They're just trying to burn it off a little bit to slow it down. But understand this, people are going to get hurt. So when you hear the Fed is raising interest rates to slow inflation, what you should hear is that some unfortunate souls out there are going to lose their jobs. Some people are going to have some tough times. And isn't it ironic that when the Fed raises interest rates, it's the poor that are hurt the most. You don't want to be poor, my friend. That's what this show is all about. Have a plan. Now, for you hopefuls that are saying that interest rates are going to go down, and you may be right. This is not a prediction. I don't do those. But I do want to add some food for thought. Before they go down, Unemployment will need to go up. The Fed stated just the other day, I was reading, quote, they need to see substantial rise in unemployment before they even consider halting or holding the interest rate increase. What are we not seeing right now? We're not seeing a large increase in unemployment. And then back to me and my thoughts on the U.S. government. Wouldn't it be nice if the U.S. government... Why don't you lay off a few million bureaucrats instead of the private sector? If you do that, the rest of us can get on with our lives and and get to work. Here's a fun fact most of you probably don't know. The U.S. government employs 23.7 million people. So I looked online and I found that over 100 nations on this planet have fewer citizens than 20 million. The U.S. government by itself is larger than most countries' population on this earth when people talk about the swamp the swamp is way bigger than you think it is way bigger 23.7 million people 
whose whole job is to pull tax dollars from you so that they can pay for their initiatives, that they can pay for their benefits, that they can pay for their salaries. But understand the truth about interest rates. And how will you navigate the next few years financially? How will you succeed? How will you create additional income? How will you create wealth? Well, my friends, you better have a plan. My plan is cash flowing real estate. My plan is making money five or six different ways. My plan is navigating these markets as well as navigating the great markets. We can navigate both. Appreciation, back to that. It is the last reason to buy a rental property. And the the gist for this show came. I had a friend share a chart on social media a couple of weeks ago. And it was interesting. It was uh, the, the title of the chart is 80 years of real estate appreciation in the United States. And it's cool. You can go look at 1987 and go, wow, we had 8% real estate appreciation. Uh, you can go look at 1962. We had 0% appreciation. So I started looking at this chart. And these are national averages. Real estate's local. Okay, so this is not a blanket for your neighborhood. And, and understand that real estate is local is the most important aspect of, of real estate. Because you can essentially find your deals. You can find your opportunities regardless of what's happening. You can make your own economy. But I, I was looking at this chart, and I, I noticed that three years, we had zero percent appreciation. Many, many years, there was only one, two, or three percent appreciation, which leads me to believe that appreciation in those cases is really just mimicking inflation, right? As, as uh, there's more dollars chasing fewer assets, the price or uh, the value of that asset is going to go up. So many, many years of one, two, or three percent. And then there's also negative appreciation. Yes, out of 80 years in the United States, real estate appreciation, how many of those 80 years were negative, negative appreciation? You might be surprised. Only seven years. And of those seven years, five of them were 2007 to 2011. Recent history, my friend. And that was five in a row, compounding one after another. Bam, bam, bam. Hitting. That was some tough times, but it created massive opportunity for real estate investors. Yes, negative appreciation will create massive opportunity. Continue on with the greatness of appreciation. I want you to understand that appreciation, when it's combined with leverage, is going to magnify. Okay, so if we go to 1997, 4% inflation, you purchase a hundred thousand. Dollar home. If you paid cash for that home in 1997 with 4% appreciation, congratulations, your wealth grew by four grand, right? That house is now worth $104,000. Now, let's say you followed the Lifestyles Unlimited model that we teach here at Lifestyles Unlimited, and you put leverage on that property, right? And you went to that property and you purchased it with 20% down, $20,000 out of pocket, 4% appreciation. On the $100,000 house, right, the bank doesn't care. You get to earn that appreciation on the entire asset, not just what you have invested in the asset, okay? This has nothing to do with the other four reasons to buy real estate, right? Do that with another investing class. You can't, right? Now, it's all unrealized. It's in the property. It's in the form of tile, wood, floors, cabinets, roof, what have you. But that's your money. It will come to you, and that's the power of real estate. Appreciation is indeed the silent millionaire maker, but it needs to be the last reason to buy a property. I had a property that increased in value 23%. When I sold the property, I had numerous 
offers on the property. I walked away with over $100,000 in my pocket from closing, and that's for owning the home five and a half years. The cash flow was over $500 per month every month. That's life-changing. That's one single rental property. But understand, appreciation should never be the only reason to buy that property. Okay, if you're banking on appreciation and the real driver is inflation, you're in a bubble. You're in a danger zone. Just ask property owners and name the city, right? We all know them, Portland, Seattle, San Francisco. But if you're in a market that has a positive respect for business, a positive respect for property ownership, has positive job opportunities and growth, then you're going to be in a good market. Let's go to 2006 and let's say you purchased a property in 2006 for $300,000. $300,000 home, 2006, we had 2% appreciation. Okay, you made the value of that home is now worth $306,000 after 2006, right? If you look at the if you look at the chart, that's uh, that's an everyday year. Okay, on our appreciation chart. Now, 2007, what happened? Well, you had negative five percent appreciation. 2008, you had negative twelve percent appreciation. 2009, negative four. 2010, another negative four. 2011, another negative four. Where are we sitting in 2012 with our three hundred thousand dollar property? You better hope you didn't have leverage on it. Because the value of that property is $226,330. What a drop. And if you had leverage, you'd be what we call upside down. Was that what happened during 2008 to 2011? That's a perfect example. Because while we're real estate investors and people do get into that first property and they think appreciation's the only reason to buy that property and they don't know any better, but on a bigger scale, people buy their personal property banking on appreciation all the time. Today's rules for financial growth are going to be different, not going to be, they are different from yesterday's rules. So that $300,000 property over five years, you took a $74,000 haircut. If you had leveraged on it, you owe the bank much more than the value of that property. Now, if it's a rental property, we just held on. We kept getting that cash flow. And those were temporary, right? We look back and, and all the value of those properties came back in kind in a very, very short amount of time. But does that shine light on the number one reason for any real estate investment? Cash flow, does that shine light on it? You're darn right. It shines a huge beam of light on it. Number one, cash flow, if nothing else, is insurance. It's insurance of the operations. That's why for me, cash flow is number one. So again, in order for me, the reasons to purchase a property, number one for sure is absolutely 100% going to be cash flow. Number two is equity capture. I didn't even know what that was until I joined Lifestyles Unlimited and learned the Lifestyles Unlimited model of just how you could buy a property that's in poor condition and you can raise the value of that property by going in and, and fixing everything, repairing everything, understanding what good, solid homes in that neighborhood uh, that are clean and functional are worth and understand that you're buying something much less than that, but you're having to put the time and effort and repairs, you're not doing the repairs yourself, you're hiring somebody, but it does take time and effort to coordinate the rehab process. So the equity capture, again, something I had never heard of until I was in my 40s. Number three, the tax benefits. Super important for me just as a result of where my portfolio is. Number four, the mortgage pay down. It's nice. You get that little piece each and every month and it does add up. Then number five, appreciation, which is a great benefit to own real estate. 
but it should never be the only reason to own real estate. My name is Mike Harrison. I want you to understand it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.